2022. This is the Hermetic Hour, and I'm your host, Pope Runyon. And tonight we reappraise and read from the Hermetic Classic, Three Books of Occult Philosophy by Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa, first published in Latin. This masterwork has been the foundation study of Hermetic science, magic, and mysticism for nearly 500 years. It is divided into three sections or books, the natural world, the celestial world, and the divine world. The first, the natural world, dealt with the hermetic elements. The second, the influence of the heavens, stars, and planets upon human affairs and events. And the third, the divine world, which dealt with the spiritual sciences of magic and Kabbalah. Unfortunately, many students get these volumes as a reference work. Agrippa intended it to be read and studied from the beginning to the end as one continuous and contiguous work. The hermetic elements of the natural world are reflected in the celestial world and spiritually empowered and directed from the divine world. We will demonstrate this with selected readings from the first volume. We will be reading from the newly translated 1533 Latin edition from Inner Traditions, translated by Eric Perdue. So if you want an old-fashioned introduction to wizardry, tune in with us, and we'll start you on the path. I think most of us already have, or we're, at least we're aware of, uh, Donald Tyson's 1999 three-volume set of Agrippa. This was the English, the freak translation in English, from the Latin, of course, but the freak translation was never considered really accurate. Although Don Tyson, the American Nova Scotia magician, he did a very good job editing and presenting it. We have that, of course, in the library. But I must admit, because I read the first book, which was published years and years ago in English, I read the first volume years ago, and and frankly, when I when I got Tyson, I really did, like most people do, I just put it on the shelf as a research book. You know, whatever I need to look up, I can, I can, I can just go to the index and look it up. And that's not the way it, that old Cornelius Agrippa wrote the book. It's not how he constructed it. He started off with a natural world, and he started off with the hermetic elements. Now, those of you who are familiar with Franz Barton's initiation into hermetics, you find when you start reading Agrippa, you're going to feel like you're looking over Barden's shoulder when Barden read Agrippa because Barden studied Agrippa, and that's very obvious. And he starts right off the same way Agrippa does with the elements. So what I'm going to do, and the first thing I'm going to do here is is confirm what I've been talking about, and uh, we'll read uh, this little, little excerpt, the summary of the three books of occult philosophy. And this is then the, the prologue to the um, and the table of contents to the to the first volume. A summary of the three books of occult philosophy. Three books, which seemingly is a reference text when standalone chapters upon discrete subjects is actually intended to be read from the beginning to the end. It is structured to build upon itself brick by brick as a unified program of study. The text is divided into three large sections. These being the titular three books. Book one is about the natural world. Book two is on the celestial world. Book three addresses the divine world. 
These are the three primary parts of magic in Agrippa's conception of the subject, corresponding to the three parts of man and the universe. It is best to view three books as a single work divided into sections. As a matter of fact, it's a course. The three volumes are a course in magic. I have to say this. This is medieval magic because this most of this book was written in 1510 and when Agrippa was in his early 20s. And, of course, you're going to realize that this man was a fantastic intellectual. I mean, he was a regular Leonardo da Vinci. And, of course, in later life he became a judge, he became a soldier. He definitely a Renaissance man. And what he did was he collected all the philosophy, you know, from the, the Platonists and the, the Alexandria, the classical Platonists, Pliny and Iamblichus and Prophery and all of them. He read them all. And, of course, he studied the Hermetic treatises. He offers a background in, in uh, hoary astrology or ancient astrology that is, is really well, it's part of the first book, The Natural World, and, and alchemy, and a lot of very superstitious magic, you know, formulas from Picatrix. And, and this is a complete course in medieval wizardry. And right now I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here at my desk behind my computer, and I've got my old medieval book stand, and I've got a grip of spread out on the book stand. And and I was telling you, I was telling Zandria, my my lovely producer, I was telling her we need a picture of me sitting here reading Agrippa on this uh, on this old bookstand uh, in a monk's robe in front of the computer as sort of a modern version of ancient wizardry. Okay, now what I'm going to do tonight is I've selected three chapters, three chapters from the natural world, and I'm going to read chapter one. And then I'm going to switch over and read Chapter 8, and then I'm going to finish off reading Chapter 11. And the reason why I'm going to do this is I want to show you, and I'm going to be able to comment on how much how much of the magic we've been, we've been doing and it relates to, to what you find in these chapters. All right, this is Chapter 1, and it's called How Magicians Collect Virtues of the Threefold World Will Be Shown in These Three Books. There is a threefold world that is the elemental, celestial, and intellectual. Each inferior is ruled by its superior, accepting virtues flowing from the archetype and the highest maker through angels, the heavens, the stars, the elements, animals, planets, metals, and stones. The maker transfers his omnipotent virtue into us for whose service he placed and created all of us here. Wise men do not find it irrational that we can rise by these same degrees through each world. Toward the same archetypal world, the maker of all and the first cause, from which everything exists and all proceeds. Not only can more noble things profit from these virtues, but they can also attract new virtues from above. Hence, from the virtues of the elemental world, magicians search through the mixtures of various natural things, through medicine and natural philosophy, 
then with influence from the rays of the celestial world according to the rules of astronomers and mathematicians they connect with the virtues of the heavens next they strengthen and confirm all manner of powerful intelligences through sacred religious ceremonies I will now attempt to relate the order and process of these things in these present three books, the first of which contains natural magic, the second of the heavens, and the third of the ceremonies. I do not know whether it was presumptuous that I, a man of small talent and letters, uh, should have thought myself worthy to freely approach such a difficult, arduous, and intricate work in my youth. Whatever is said by me here and below, no one should assent to, nor will I expect for those things that the Catholic Church and the Assembly of the Faithful have not condemned. By the way, Agrippa's mentor was the abbotress Trithemius, who was also a magician and an occultist, and, and a bishop. And Trithemius uh, reviewed his book back when he when he first submitted it back when in, in, in his twenty in his twenties around around fifteen ten. And Trithemius says, "Be careful, be careful, Heinrich. You know, please be careful. You know." And so this last thing that he just said, uh, except for these things, the Catholic Church and the Assembly of the Faithful have not condemned. That was kind of a concession to have a Trithemius, who was his editor. And as a writer, I know you should always listen to and accommodate your editor. Okay, here's chapter 8. How the elements are in the heavens, the stars, in demons, in angels, and finally in God himself. It is the unanimous opinion of all Platonists that as in the archetype of the world, all things are in all. So also all things in the corporal world are in all. Yet it is thus in different ways, that is, by according to the natures of these things. Thus the elements are not only in these inferior bodies, but also in the heavens, in the stars, in demons, in angels, and finally in the maker and originator of all. In these inferior bodies the elements are of a certain dense forms, heavy matter, and the material elements. In the heavens, the elements have their own natures and virtues, that is, with a heavenly and more excellent manner than the sublunary. Heavenly earth has solidity without density. Water and air have agility and flow from a distance. Fire has heat without burning, but it illuminates everything, and its heat gives life. Of the stars, Mars and the Sun are fiery, Jupiter and Venus are airy, and Saturn and Mercury are watery. The Earth inhabits the eighth sphere with the Moon, which is thought of by most as watery. Clearly, the earthly image is attracted to the celestial waters. The Moon drinks from these waters, and by its close proximity, they flow unto us and are shared with us. Among the signs, some are fiery, some are earthly, and some are airy, and some are watery. The four elements rule the triplicities of the heavens, distributing each element to the first, the middle, and the end. Thus the first for the fiery triplicity in Aries, progressing and increasing to Leo, and finally to Sagittarius, and the first 
Triplicity in Taurus, progressing to Virgo, and last to Capricorn. The first area, triplicity, is Gemini progressing to Libra and ending in, in Aquarius. The first watery triplicity is Cancer, and the middle is Scorpio, and Pisces has the end. Therefore, all bodies are made from the mixtures of the planets and signs together with the elements. According to this reasoning, demons are distinguished from each other. As such, some are called fiery, others earthly, others airy, and others watery. Hence, there are four infernal rivers, fiery, plagiathon, airy, cartus, watery sticks, and earthly archeron. We read in the Gospels of the fire of hell and the eternal fire where the cursed are ordered to go. We also read in Revelation about the lake of fire, and Isaiah spoke of the damned, saying that the Lord will strike you with corrupt air. In Job we read they will jump from the extreme heat to snowy waters. And we read in Job the land of darkness and covered with the mist of death, the land of misery and darkness. Also the elements are placed over the angels of the universe and the blessed intelligences indeed. The essence of stability is in them and an earthly virtue in which is the firm seat of God, also their pious mercy, a kind of watery cleansing virtue. Hence the psalm spoke of water, where it says of the heavens, cover its heights with water also, in them is air, the subtle spirit, love, and a shining fire. Hence they are called in sacred scriptures, the wings of the wind. Elsewhere in the psalms it says, makes your angel spirits and your ministers a burning fire. Likewise of the angelic order of fire is the seraphim, virtues and powers, earth, the cherubim, water, the thrones, and archangels, the air and dominions, the principalities. Do we not read also about the archetypes, the maker of all things? Let earth open and bring forth a savior. Surely the scriptures speak of a fountain of living water, cleansing and regenerating. And is not the Spirit breathing the same breath of life, and which also, as Moses and Paul testify, as a consuming fire? Therefore, the elements are found everywhere and in everything, and no man can deny their manner. First, in the inferiors, they are feculent and dense, and then in the heavens they are pure and clear, and in the super-celestials they are truly living, and in all parts blessed. Therefore the elements are produced in the archetypal idea, as distributed powers in the intelligence, our virtues in the heavens, and our dense forms in the inferiors. And thus ends that chapter. Now we're going to go over to chapter 11. Listen to this one very, very closely. Because this this is perhaps the most the most important chapter in the beginning of the book, Chapter Eleven: How Occult Virtues Are Infused into Kinds of Things by Ideas Through the World Soul, the Stellar Rays, in which things are most abundant with this virtue. According to Platonists, all inferior ideas come from superior ideas. They divine an idea 
as a form above bodies, souls, minds, singular, simple, pure, unchangeable, indivisible, incorruptible, and eternal. The nature of all ideas is the same. But they place ideas in the good itself, that is, with God. Through the manner of cause, they are only distinguished from each other by certain relative reasons, or else whatever is in the world shall be one thing without variety, yet they agree with each other in essence. For else God would be a multiple substance. In the second place, it is intelligible, that is, the world soul. Through their own forms and absolute superior forms, they are different from each other. Thus, all ideas in God are indeed one form, but in the world soul they are many. They are then placed in minds or connected with bodies or separate from bodies with certain participation and by degrees they are distinguished more and more. They are placed in nature as certain inferior seed of forms infused by ideas and they are finally placed in a matter as shadows. In addition to this, there are as many seminal reasons of things in the world soul as there are ideas in the divine mind. And for this reason, it built figures in the heavens above us. He talked about the constellations here. For this reason, he built figures in the heavens above the stars and impressed into them all of its qualities. Therefore, these figures, qualities, and all inferior kinds of virtues depend upon these stars. Thus, as every species has a celestial figure appropriate to it, from which comes a wonderful power of operation, and though the seminal method of the world's soul, it receives a gift from its own idea. Indeed, ideas are not only the celestial causes of any species, but are also the causes of every virtue belonging to such species. This is what many philosophers say, because of certain virtue, that is, of having certain and, and stable reason, not accidental or causal, but effective, powerful and unfailing, nothing frustrated, doing nothing in vain and moving virtues that exist in natural things. Indeed, these virtues, which are the operations of ideas, do not err unless by accident, that is, from impurities and the inequality of matter. In this way, things are found more or less powerful in the same species according to the purity and confusion of matter. Indeed, all celestial influences can hinder through the confusion and unfitness of matter. And about this, there is a platonic proverb that says, the merits of matter are infused by the celestial virtues, and which Virgil remembered in his poem. Fire is their power and their heavenly source, as great harmful bodies do not hinder them. Whereby these things that are less immersed in the material idea, that is, taking a greater similarity with things that are separate and have powerful virtues in operating, like an operation of a separated idea. Therefore, we know that the placement of a figure of the celestials are the cause of noble virtues that are in more inferior species. Now, I'd like to make a comment on that. In these 
14th century and the 15th century, they believed that the planets actually ruled the signs. We're just starting to see with Agrippa here, we're just starting to see where that's beginning to change. Hermes himself said that man creates the gods of the earth sphere and the gods of the zodiac are eternal. Astrology, of course, as, as you're beginning to realize as, you, as we read this, astrology, uh, which is primarily based and controlled by the hermetic elements, astrology is the bedrock of magic and Kabbalah. And Agrippa is certainly pointing this out here early in, in the book. Now, this astrology of Agrippa's is basically medieval, and so it's pre-Copernican. And we have to remember, in Agrippa's time, when, when he was writing this, and the magicians all believed that our universe was the solar system and then the circle of the zodiac around it. They, they had no idea of other galaxies, or, or uh, they didn't even know about the outer planets. And consequently, their astrology... Their astrology didn't go any further, uh, as far as the planets are concerned, went no, went no further out than Saturn. That was the beginning of the physical universe, as far as they were concerned. And so, astrology has, in, in, the, in, in those days, was limited, very, very limited. As we know, the, the outer planets are very slow, and they, and they have a very long-term uh, effect, which the people in, back in Agrippa's time, they couldn't uh, take advantage of that at all. So magic needs to evolve, and magical astrology, which, of course, is still based on Agrippa. In fact, the present-day magical astrologers, they quote Agrippa constantly. Magical astrology has to evolve. We have to evolve, and we have to go beyond Saturn. We don't even have those Kamea talismans for the, uh, for the outer planet. We do. we do. We do in the OTA. We have them because we managed to go beyond the abyss, and so we have perfected that. And we also attribute them to the outer planets, and uh, so we've been managed to do that. But back to Agrippa. Agrippa is the foundation, the foundation of magic. As you read through Agrippa, and, and as I say, start at the beginning. As you read through Agrippa, if you're a golden donor, you will you will have little bells ringing in, in your mind as you read through Agrippa constantly. And the same thing with Barden. If you, you're a, a reader of Franz Barden, you, you, will, you will realize he steeped himself at Agrippa. And another thing that I wanted to point out is this holy guardian angel thing. There's a, a section here in, uh, here in beginning Agrippa that pretty much delineates the, uh, the holy guardian angel thing. Now, I can't find the exact quote. What he's saying is is that, uh, and later on in chapter 21 in the second book, he, he lays it out. And, and it's, it's exactly what Hermes said, that we have three guardian angels, not just one. The first is the guardian angel of your ascendant uh, when you're born. And the second guardian angel is the planetary ruler of the ascendant which is the angel of your profession or uh, your your particular purpose in life. And the third guardian angel is the one that stays with you through all your incarnations. And frankly, Hermes laid this out in the Hermetic Treatises. 
uh, Agrippa codified it, but uh, apparently uh, the Germans, when they they wrote Abramel and the Maj, they they somehow or other disregarded it. But you know, I, I can forgive them for that, and the reason is that the only people who knew their ascendants were very very wealthy people or royalty or or nobility. They they could afford. To, to actually have a horoscope where they knew their ascendant. So, Abramelin was written by Abraham a Jew. He cut it all down and just just went for the one angel, the one over angel, the, the the angel that stayed with you through all your incarnations. And so, I'm not I'm not criticizing Abramelin the Maj, and I'm not criticizing that uh, that that particular uh, uh, version of the Holy Guardian Angel. But I am saying that, according to Hermes and Agrippa, it's a, it's a threefold process. And if you really were a, a serious hermetic magician and able to do it, you certainly should do all three, and we do. To tell you the truth, that's about what I have for this evening. I want to encourage you to check out this new uh, this new translation of the 1533 three volumes of Henry Cornelius Agrippa's Books of Occult Philosophy. And I'm not I'm not denigrating uh, Donald Tyson's uh, 1999 version, although I would I do think you should realize that uh, that it is the freak English translation of the 1533, and uh, and it does have a number of errors. So anyway, uh, until next week, uh, when we'll uh, come back with more Hermetic mysteries. Take care. Be well. Have a have a wonderful summer solstice and uh, and good magic.